Welcome to the Web Dev Success Podcast. I'm Emily Journey, and this podcast is where I take a hard look at the challenges facing the website development industry. Learn how to attract loyal customers, how to raise your prices with confidence, and take steps to craft the work life you've always wanted. Listen in with me, Emily Journey, and develop brilliantly. Let's talk about what it takes to become the highest price option in your industry. So imagine that I alluded to becoming the highest price option, that that's a possibility for you in my last video when I was talking about increasing your prices. So let's take that a step further, not only increasing your prices, but becoming the most expensive option. <laughs> so do, do you allow yourself to go there? <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to talk about a time. Uh, so today I own a, an agency, a multi six figure agency. I've been in business for um, going on 10 years. Um, and, uh, what I know now compared to what I know when I started out is a lot, a lot different. And my mindset is different. Things had to change about my perceptions, um, in order to get where I am today. And I want to share that experience with you. Uh, and it started, gosh, maybe 20 years ago before the idea of even becoming a website developer and a consultant even occurred to me. Um, so I used to be a toy store owner. Um, I opened a, a specialty toy store and I'm talking about brick and mortar. So walked out of the door of my home every morning and around the corner into the front door of the toy shop that I opened. And I had no idea how to be a business owner. And many of us, when we're starting out in business, we don't, we might know a little bit about our industry, but we don't know how to be a business owner. That's very common. And that was, that was me. I did not know how to be a business owner. I didn't know how to, I didn't know that much even about the specialty toy industry. And so what I did was I looked to the other specialty toy shops that were, I don't know, in other cities across town, I'd show up and I'd browse around and I'd look at the tags and I'd make notes and okay, what products were they carrying? What was their pricing? How much did they mark things up? How did they display things? You know, just tried to absorb everything. And then I went and did duplicated that in my toy store. And um, business did not take off. <laughs> so I wasn't any different from, from my competition. Uh, and then something started happening uh, around uh, the holiday season in um, October, November, December. That's like where... I learned 75% of toy store sales or even retail sales, I think, happen in those three months. Um, places like my grocery store across the street 
started carrying the same products that, that I carried and like my grocery store, <laughs> I was competing with my grocery store and they were selling the same products, my bestsellers, um, for less, for less money. And all I had there. And so there was nothing different about what I was selling, uh, compared to what the grocery store was selling in their toy section, uh, except for price. And the only way I felt I could compete there was on price. And I didn't even begin to think about how I could maybe be unique and just not carry the same products, right? Or, or come up with ideas for how to be, how to really be different that would motivate people to come to my shop. Um, instead I did what was easier <laughs> because I, I just didn't know what I was doing. Um, and like, so I would carry the easy sell, uh, beanie babies, right. That where the pricing was controlled and, but everyone sold them and you could count on people to show up to buy beanie babies. And, you know, it was just a way to get people in the store and that was a struggle and the store closed you know, that it closed after, after three years, there were multiple factors that played into that, including the economy, but a big part of it, it was that I wasn't any different from the grocery store or the competition, right? And my competition, it was really easy to crush me, you know, in terms of, of competition. So if you, especially if you're a grocery store, <laughs> so, um, so how, so, so that's, so when, so I'm going to assume that you've done the research on your comp, what might you might consider your competition, the other people in your industry and what their, the other businesses in your industry and what their pricing is. And you may look, look at that and wonder, can I charge that much? Can I charge more than that? Um, and the answer depends on, um, you know, are you willing, are, are you, can you be different? Um, you know, once you've overcome the idea of, okay, I can increase my prices, right? That in my previous video now, um, what is it about you that's different from your competition that, that makes me, um, you know, or your customer, not me, me, but that makes your customer, your prospect want to buy from you? Or are you just doing what everyone else is doing? If you're just doing what everyone else is doing, then you cannot be, then you're the only thing you really have to compete on is your price. And you cannot be the most expensive option. Um, so look at your, look at what you offer and identify those pieces that make you extra, what makes you better. Uh, and so that you can talk about those differences with confidence in your sales com conversations and in your writing that you do on your website and your sales pages. Um, and you can feel confident that you, that you should be the most expensive <laughs> option. Uh, so let's use another example. So that was, you know, so that was, you know, my toy store experience. I learned, you know, that, you know, just because, just because everyone's doing something doesn't mean that I should do it. So that's, that was an important business lesson for, for me to learn. Um, 
And so, so that's some homework, you know, how, how are you different? How can you be even more different? Um, well, let's talk about an industry that's a little more subjective, like, um, artist, artist, an artist or a graphic designer. Um, you know, there, you know, you can be a great, highly skilled, talented, um, graphic designer and the, it can feel very subjective, um, because you're, you know, only certain people are going to like your particular style. Uh, so, you know, is, if you're at kind of a threshold of your, you know, it's, it becomes a, you know, at what point can you start charging being the most expensive option? Does it really depend upon, um, your, your portfolio? Um, and I would argue that, that it might not like, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure that's not my industry, but I will tell you my own experience with graphic designers as a customer and why I'm willing to pay more. <laughs> um, so here's the big, here's what can make you different. And if you have a product or a service that is, is similar to that, where, where it's kind of, well, how do I, you know, is it just, you know, how do I make graphic design services <laughs> different? right? Or better, uh, or, uh, any, any kind of artistic type services. Um, so here's what the big difference makers for me, when I'm working with uh, a graphic designer, I'm outsourcing work and I'm paying them for, for their services. The big difference maker for me is how you are, how mature you are in business, like how, how you interact with me. And that doesn't have to do with how long you've been in business or your age. That just has to do with your, um, your business communication skills. Uh, so, so do you reply, do you respond promptly when I ask for changes, do you make them <laughs> and do you, so do you like, how, how good are you at responding to my feedback? So I've become really good at giving feedback. So is my, is the person doing the work good at responding to that feedback? Uh, that's priceless to me because that saves me a lot of time instead of kind of going over the same stuff over and over. Um, you know, is the, you know, does the person, the designer, ha you know, skilled at responding to, to feedback? Uh, do, are they consultative in their approach? Do they help me, you know, when I'm coming up with a bad idea, cause I have bad ideas, do, are they, are they consultative about helping me understand why I might not want to go in a certain direction based upon their skill and experience? Um, do they invoice me promptly? How many revisions do I get? Does it really need to be, if it, do we need to, do, does a graphic designer really need to limit their revisions to two or three revisions or can they bump it up to six, eight, 10 revisions and simply charge more for their services or build the, the additional cost of the revisions into the proposal so that it's clear upfront. So those, um, those types, those, those types of approaches with being, you know, that's what separates the kind of amateurs from the, the real pros 
who can charge more for their services are their just kind of business skills um, and, and skills at delivering, you know, oh, and then there's delivering the files and the formats that I need them to, you know, so I can always spot an inexperienced designer when they send me the, these files that are not usable because I don't have the software in design, right? So I can't, if you send me an InDesign file, I can't open it, right? So, uh, so that, you know, that kind of stuff, right? So I, I, if I don't have to deal with that kind of messy stuff, that I will pay more for that. I will pay more for that. And that doesn't, that's not really a statement at all about the graphic designer's design skills. So think about that as well. Like, do you have, we, you know, how good are you in this area? Whether you're, you know, graphic design may not be your industry, but those are important things too. The kind of business communication and savvy uh, in your particular industry, the, the um, you know, how accessible you are, uh, you know, in the, in the sales process or, you know, even during the work process or how clear you are about saying when you're not available. So if you can clearly with confidence say, I only work between these hours and I will not be looking at my email outside of these hours, that's a confident communication. It's a limit and it's a sign of a mature business owner. And that person can charge more for their services because they can set limits. Like that's the kind of person I want to work with. Someone who, who is confident about their boundaries. Someone who, who can say, I do not communicate with me via text message. <laughs> so that's a, that's an example of a limit. So those are, I'm probably going on too long about the various kind of business skills that have that aren't necessarily directly related to the product or service that you're, that you're offering that that's the kind of often a difference maker that just makes the process smoother of working with you. Uh, and you can be the more, the more or most expensive option in, in your industry when you have those, those skills down. So, um, so look at the, so look at your own business. Let me know what, you know, questions come up. Because uh, I'd love to answer your questions about, you know, what is it that is making you that you, is making you think that you can't be the most expensive option in your industry? And I'll try to tackle it and see if see if we can come up with some solutions for you so that we so that you can get there. Thank you for listening to the Web Dev Success Podcast. I'm Emily Journey, and if you enjoyed today's episode, take a minute to leave a review on iTunes. Until then, develop brilliantly.